All right, let's go ahead and grab our Bibles for our first 2023 prophecy update, which we like to call, What in the World is Going On? It's where we take a moment to look around at the world around us to try to see if we see a pattern develop that would show us that the Lord's return is probably nearer than we think. But before I do that, I'd like everybody to take out either your wallet or your purse and pull out one of these. I just want you to have it for a moment. Okay. Wow. You are all primed for the Antichrist right now. Okay. All right. Okay, everybody, everybody put, pulling out their money? Okay. Ushers, let's take the collection now, please. No. <laughs> Did you ever think that such a thing could become a weapon? Did you ever think that such a thing can become a weapon? One of the most popular verses in the book of Revelation is found in the 13th chapter, and it has to do with the issue of money. As John wrote in the 13th chapter of Revelation, verses 16 and 17, Concerning the Antichrist, he will cause all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I think of all the verses in Revelation, that's one that people are very familiar with. The Antichrist will use economics as a weapon against those who would resist his authority, those who would deny his proclaimed deity, And he will isolate them from all commerce in the tribulation period by separating them for not have taken the mark, the number, or the name of him. During the time of John when he wrote the book of Revelation, Caesar Nero would mint coins And on those coins, one of the sides of those coins would say, Caesar Nero, son of God. It was a concept that individuals knew and understood that not only did the Caesars of that time see themselves as deity, but in the allowance of one participating in economics, the deity was showing their kindness to his followers. During the tribulation period, the Antichrist will seal the deal with those of the earth to prove their allegiance to him by requiring them to receive a mark either on their right hand or on their forehead. Back in the 1970s, I know some of you weren't even alive, weren't even thought of, and your parents may not even have been born for all I know. A book came out by a man named Hal Lindsey called The Late Great Planet Earth. It came out in 1970. 
I was two years old at the time, and I remember reading it. No. But this book sparked such a wave of interest in eschatology, the study of the last days. It actually became one of the New York Times bestseller non-fictional books. Can you imagine that? The New York Times. In 1978, a movie was done concerning the late great planet Earth, and it was narrated by none other than Orson Welles himself. To this day, 28 million copies have been sold. Again, this book shook up the world concerning the last days. But those who were critical of the book made an observation that was absolutely true. That was that what Hal Lindsey was proposing throughout the book, the infrastructure of such things had not yet been established. Meaning it wasn't feasible, it wasn't possible yet, and therefore not probable to occur at the time in which the book was written. Today I want to demonstrate for you that that infrastructure is being created and is created and now exists now in our time to facilitate the fulfillment of the prophecy that we just read. Remember, when the Antichrist comes onto the scene, he'll begin a seven-year period of time, which indicates to me that much of the infrastructure that he will capitalize upon will have already been established. For example, when the Romans, of course, succeeded the Grecian Empire, the Grecians brought many wonderful things to their empire, including the unification of language. And that's why you see the bleed over into the New Testament, that the New Testament wasn't written in Latin, but it was written in Greek, because the Greek language was world known. Now that the new church, the apostles, had the language in which to communicate the gospel, they then needed the means by which to get it into all the world. And what Rome contributed was roads. So after God established a unified language to allow the gospel to go into all the world, he then produced the roads in which allowed the apostles and others to travel into the various aspects of the world so that they may take the gospel to the world. The things that the Antichrist is described to do in the book of Revelation would not and could not be possible if the infrastructure hadn't already been established. And as we see here in our text, that infrastructure has to do with the economy. No one can buy or sell without this mark being received. It's a direct correlation and link. When you, study the, when you study philosophy, there's a concept that is considered, and that is the difference between possibility and probability. Possibility means something is possible, of course, but probability gives you the calculation of odds that allows you to know if it can be done. And we are certainly moving from that area of possibility to the, to the position of probability. 
During the COVID pandemic, we learned a lot, didn't we? We learned a lot about our government, about science, corruption, money. We learned a lot about ourselves, our nation, our culture, our people. And we learned a lot about God in through it all. Before I became a pastor in the 1990s, I worked for a computer company in the area of distribution. I was an operations manager for a subsidiary of GE Capital. GE Capital Capital financed the computers that were being brought into the Fortune 500 companies in which we served, and we distributed them. They bought them from us or leased them from us, and then it was my job to get them into the various companies and established anywhere from a a help desk all the way to networking the entire facility. And I remember being on the side of distribution. I certainly wasn't a computer engineer or a uh, network engineer by any means, but I got to sit into some of the most fascinating meetings that you could sit in at that time. It was during the tech bubble, and uh, it was an exciting time to be in business. And I remember sitting in a meeting, and the engineers were discussing this new concept, this concept that was going to revolutionize the internet, which of course was still in its infancy at that time. It was a concept called cloud computing, and people saw the potential of it. Oh, can you imagine having a centralized local storage uh, facility to allow you to connect to it anywhere you go with any device that you have? They were talking about that in the 90s. But there was a problem. And the problem was connectivity. Oh, sure, we could centralize something, but you still had to connect to it. And at that time, the way, to internet, the, uh, uh, the way to access the internet was through modems. And we had incredible speeds like 14.4 or 28K or 56. You know, oh my goodness. And these were, you know, uh, these were the tiniest K-bytes, okay? You had, a di- you had to put a dime in and then dial up and, you know, and wait for the connection and, and so forth. And it was, of course, archaic to what we have now. You don't even think about connectivity anymore, do you? You just turn your phone on. You're shocked when a facility that you enter doesn't have Wi-Fi, right? And now there's Wi-Fi hotspots, and we have 5G that is melting people's brains and so forth, and all these things that we take just for granted, right? Our day is ruined when we can't connect to the Wi-Fi. But back then... Just 30 years ago, that was an impossibility. It went from possibility to probability to realization. Today, I'm going to show you several things that are going to, I think, impact this world in 2023. And all of them can be appropriated and exploited by the Antichrist, to allow him to fulfill this prophecy given to us in the book of Revelation. And as we begin, I want you to understand that these things 
Again, I'm just going to touch on them. Each and every one of them are complex, and I'm going to make it as simple and as accessible as I can. Some of these you will have been familiar with, some may, you may not be familiar with. But let us understand that during the COVID pandemic, we watched our government do something that I think shocked us all. After promising never to mandate vaccines, they went back on that promise, and not only did they mandate the vaccines be taken by people, they had a problem enforcing it. They mandated it, but they realized that constitutionally they could not enforce it through law or governmental systems, or by, you know, by Congress, So what they did is that they began to weaponize your employers. And they set OSHA out to begin to police and to monitor. And I can only imagine the the, the commissioner or the president of OSHA or whoever or whatever that title is called getting that memo. You you want us to do what? (laughs) You want us to check to make sure that everybody rolled up their sleeve? I mean, this was unprecedented. When I was watching this, I'm like, where am I living? Is it 1984? I mean, what are we doing here? But one of the most egregious and outlandish is when they forced medical workers to get vaccinated who had already been serving selflessly through the beginning of the pandemic when no vaccine was possible, who had all acquired natural immunity, were they given an option to opt out? No, they were fired. And now we have one of the greatest shortages of medical workers in our nation's history. Just This is ludicrous. But this is the way our government tried to force us to do something that, frankly, many did not want to do. And we were put in a position that I don't think any American expected themselves ever to be put in. But Jesus warned us. I want to show you a couple of verses before we get into these new things that are happening in our world about money. In Luke 16, 13, Jesus warned us. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money. Jesus knew that this was going to be a problem. Paul the Apostle went further. In 1 Timothy 6.10, notice what he says. And consider it in the light of the verse in which we just read concerning in Revelation 13. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and piercing themselves through many sorrows. Money can be a problem. It was a problem for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. It's a problem for us today. 
It is not surprising to me at all that the Antichrist would try to capitalize, weaponize, leverage, manipulate people through money, buying and selling. You know, we don't even think about buying and selling anymore, do we? In the sense of, you know, we have debit cards. How many of you pay for things with your phone now? Through Apple Pay or Google Pay or one of the other pay services on your phone. How easy has it become just to scan our debit cards, swipe them? We don't even take into consideration until maybe we get our statement at the end of the month and reconcile it and realize how much we spent during that month. Do you know that only 8% of people reconcile their checkbooks every month? 8%. If you're one of the 8%, God bless you. Because let me tell you, banks do make mistakes. But we don't even consider it. In fact, I demonstrated quite clearly that many don't even use cash anymore, do, do they? They don't, even, they don't even think about it. They have their debit card, that is money to them. But I don't think people really understand how economics works. You know, I recently saw a video where a, a young person believed that there was still gold behind our dollar bill. We haven't been on the gold standard since the 70s when Nixon took us off. What we use today in paper money is called fiat currency. Fiat currency is represented by the government in which claims that there's value to it. And as we learned as we went through the story of Joseph, even though you can have money, if there isn't those things to purchase with that money, money becomes invaluable in and of itself, doesn't it? So there's a lot of dimensions about economics that I think we need to reconsider as Americans in general for 2013. And one of those things that I want to encourage all of you is to get a handle on your finances this year. Hey, use a budget. Understand what's coming in, what's going out. Understand your debt to capital ratio. How much money you have in the bank and how much debt that you are carrying. We are a debt-based society and that debt is destroying our nation. Our current balance is over $31 trillion in national debt. I can't even calculate the current interest rate payments that are on that debt in and of, them, in and of itself. And every time the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates, they raise the interest rates on our government also, putting us in a very precarious system. The only reason our country can live with $31 trillion worth of debt. Now think about that. Trillion. At two, in 2000, just before the Twin Towers were struck, 2001, does anybody know what the, natural, uh, the national debt was in 2001, just before September? $800 billion. We are now at $31 trillion. One economist that was being interviewed on Fox News says, for every dollar that we take in as a nation through taxes to spend on the various projects that we assign that dollar to, we have to borrow $3 on top of it. This is how much above and beyond our means as a nation that we are living in. 
This is the, what is happening all around us. And today, you can find videos on YouTube saying that debt is good. Really? How many people who took out adjustable you know, uh, home equity loans or adjustable mortgages in 2019 ever thought that by 2023, we'd be up to almost, what, 5, 6, 8% interest rates? That's a lot of money. We are in a position of financial vulnerability here in the United States of America. And it is by no surprise that the Antichrist is going to take advantage of this in the tribulation period. But for him to do so, for him to do such a thing like this in a globalist system like we live and exist in today, an infrastructure must be implemented. And I'm going to demonstrate this morning to show you that there are many ways that this infrastructure is not only being prepared, but is ready to go that anyone can exploit. It doesn't have to be the Antichrist himself from the book of Revelation. Any governmental system can exploit these things equally as well. And one of the aspects that I want to make clear from the beginning is the fact that these things are not localized. They're not even nationalized. These are global endeavors meaning countries around the world are all getting on the same page which brings a one-world idea much more into focus that the book of Revelation predicts. So let us begin. With all of that being said, let us begin. I'm going to read some stuff to you. I'm going to try to explain simply for all of us to understand because these things are complicated, but I want to put these in your mind as watchwords, that when you hear these things, maybe your ears would perk up a little bit and say, oh, wait, you know, they, I, heard the, I heard that about, I heard that at church. Your friend's looking at you, you heard that at church? What kind of church you go to? We're the church of what's happening now. That's what kind of church we're in. But notice with me, the very first one is called ESG. ESG. Environmental Social Governance. This is a worldwide global initiative. It is not new. It has been around for at least the last 10 to 12 years and has been implemented in other nations as tests to see how things would play out, which I'm going to show in just a minute how they did play out. But what is environmental social governance? It is a new system of worthiness. Let me put it that way. It's a, it's a standard, that's a better word, of worthiness. When you go to apply for a loan today, say a mortgage, one of the first things you'll be asked is, what is your FICA score, right? Is it 530 or is it 820? And based upon your score, you will either get a lower interest rate or a higher interest rate if you are more um, risky. Thank you. That's the word, risky. This is another standard that right now is being used 
by governments to bring the corporate world into climate change compliance, okay? Now, when I say that, we have to ask ourselves, is the meta-narrative of climate change relevant? Meaning, is it real? I've lived in Chicago my whole entire life. We have climate change in Chicago, right? It changes on the hour. It's snowing, it's raining, there's a tornado, hail, you know, sunshine for 15 minutes and then it goes back again. There are many different reasons for climate change. But the reason that we have been given and shoved down our throats for the last 10 years uh, or even longer now since Al Gore made that movie, An Inconvenient Truth, we've been told that it's simply a result of our carbon emissions, right? So how do you get companies to, to comply? Well, they tried the EPA and things like that and fining them and so forth, and they made great strides by doing that. But what countries did, and don't let it fool you, Oh, yes, we have very strict EPA rules here in the United States of America. So what did manufacturers do? Did they comply with the EPA? Well, in some cases they did. But in many cases, they just shipped their manufacturing over to China that doesn't have those EPA requirements. You know, it's okay if they pollute their air as long as we don't pollute ours, right? So ESG is now being established And it is defined as such, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and refers to the three key factors when measuring the sustainability and ethical impact of an investment in a business or a company. Most socially responsible investors check companies out using ESG criteria to screen their investments. So now... Before investing in a company, or if that company or corporation goes for a loan, it's not only their credit worthiness and the basis of their credit history that is being evaluated, it is their ESG score. How environmentally, socially, and governanced uh, are you to show that you are worthy of our investment or of our loan? When we talk about environmental, and some of these things we would not agree, uh, disagree with. Waste and pollution, resource depletion, greenhouse emission, deforestation, climate change. We would, we would say, yeah, these are things we have to be aware of, okay? But there's a caveat that I'll talk about in just a minute. But then comes to the social criteria. Employee relations and, of course, diversity and equity. Working conditions, including child labor and slavery. Now, that's another interesting thing, guys. We're all worried about child laboring and so forth, and then we ship our manufacturing over to companies that don't have those rules, and we, and we take advantage of those exploitations there. That is complete hypocrisy. Local communities seeks explicitly to fund projects or institutions that will serve poor and uh, underserved communities globally. And of course, the resolution of health and safety conflicts. Again, we wouldn't disagree with much of that. But then comes the governance. How do they pay their taxes, tax strategies, executive remuneration, meaning how do executives get paid? 
Here's a kicker. Donations and political lobbying. Who does the corporation support politically? And who does the corporation make donations to? Is all part of your ESG score. Now here's the question. Who determines which party is right and wrong? Who determines what donation is right and wrong? We should all be concerned about the IRS expansion of 87,000 new IRS agents. And we are told by the same government who promised that they would never mandate vaccines that this isn't for the middle class. This is for the wealthy corporations around the world that are taking advantage of the United States tax codes. I've read from four different economists from prevalent places from prominent places, excuse me, that all say that is a bunch of baloney. It will be the American people scrutinized. And what did they do? In starting this year, your 1099K used to be a, you know, you can make up to $20,000 outside without tax consideration under a 1099K. This year, it went down to 600 bucks. Tell me who they're not going after. Corruption and bribery. And then, board diversity and structure. This is how the ESG score will be calculated to see if people should invest in your company or if a bank would loan to that company. Again, you can see that these things can be manipulated. You may have a good environmental and social impact, but uh-oh, you donated to the wrong political affili- affiliation, the ro- wrong political party. I'm sorry, we can't loan you that money and I won't invest in your company. Pretty in- interesting, huh? Well, now you may ask, well, is ESG really that bad? Well, one of the very first test cases was in a small country called Sri Lanka. It started 10 years ago. And in 2022, this is how it ended. The whole country collapsed under the weight of ESG. People rioted. They stormed the palace to overthrow the government. They had huge inflation. Medicine, things that they needed, they could not purchase and buy. It destroyed the entire nation. It destroyed the entire nation. Look it up for yourself. I believe the Wall Street Journal did a post on it showing the impact of ESG guidelines controlled, of course, and standardized by none other than the World Economic Forum. But there was another nation in Europe. This year, we saw something very interesting. In fact, in 2021, it was the Canadian truck drivers, right, who stood up and said enough's enough. Interesting, what did Trudeau do when the truck drivers did what they did? He froze their bank accounts. Very interesting. Leveraged their economics against them. Well, this year, the Dutch farmers. The Dutch revolt, farming revolt, it was clearly a response to the government's implementing, excuse me, ESG. They want to reduce agriculture in Uh, the Dutch area, uh, by at least 80% by 2030. 
People's lives are being destroyed by ESG. And don't think for a minute that here in the United States we are going to be exempt because who and what nation has been buying up farmland in the United States over the course of the last three years? China and Bill Gates. Number one, ESG. The next one I want to put on your radar is called CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. Remember we all held up, well, all of us who could, held up a paper dollar bill. Well, they of course want to transfer this into digital currency. The majority of us all already work with digital currency. Do you honestly believe that when you look at your bank sta- statement every month or you go online to check your balances, that the bank has every dollar in its safe that you are showing in your accounts? It's not the way our banking system works today. You know, we've all watched the movie Wonderful Life, right? And of the run on the banks that occurred... And then they realize that all the money that was supposedly there wasn't there because it's been invested here, loaned out there, etc., which is what economies do, which is what banks do. That's how economies function. But the globalization of a central bank digital currency would take that paper money and they would bring it into digital form. And of course... We know that computers can never be hacked, right? We know that data breaches never occur, right? When transactions are done in cash today, they're pretty much anonymous, aren't they? They're hard to track. They are hard to look at. But in a central bank digital currency, that will no longer be the case it will absolutely reveal all transactions. And you better believe someone will be watching what will occur. A central bank digital currency is a digital form of the country's fiat currency. A CBDC is issued and regulated by the nation's monetary authority or central bank, which would be our Federal Reserve no longer issued by the government, but now issued directly by the Federal Reserve. A CBDC promotes financial inclusion, interesting word, and simplify the implementation of monetary and physical policy. Now that is key, to simplify monetary policy. The United States of America today is operating under a monetary theory called modern monetary theory. Now, when you apply a theory to any real live situation, you have problems because you don't know if the theory is sound. Modern monetary theory basically tells us that as the world's reserve currency, we can pretty much do whatever we want to do without any repercussions. We can continue to print money the way we do. And every single one of us should be absolutely livid that in a lame duck session, our government passed another $1.7 trillion. We should be absolutely livid about that. And folks, let me say this from the pulpit. 
Every single Republican who voted for that should be ashamed of themselves. This is going to throw us into further financial difficulty and accelerate the changes that individuals want to bring about. Folks, we, we have to understand what is happening around us. A centralized form of currency that may not autonomize transactions as some cryptocurrencies do. People thought that cryptocurrency was going to be the way out, but they saw how volatile cryptocurrency can actually be. So central banks now want to issue it, and they want to take away your privacy by doing so. They want you to be able to easily access your, access your funds and distribute your funds. But let me ask you a question. These individuals that are controlling these funds... Is it possible that they would say, no, we're not going to let you do that transaction? Here's another aspect of CBDC. You may be given a certain amount of money at a certain amount of time, but you have to spend it in a certain amount of time or you lose it. It contributes to what's called money velocity, how fast money circulates throughout our world, throughout our nation. The CBDC is is an absolute... Uh, method in which could be exploited by the Antichrist. No one could buy or sell without the mark on their hand. How much easier would that be if it was all controlled digitally? But you know, it's for your good that they're doing it. Let me just read this quote quickly, if I may. In the U.S. and many other countries, many people do not have access to financial services. Really? In the U.S. alone, there are 5% of adults who do not have a bank account. I'm going to say this. That 5% probably don't want one. Okay? And an additional 13% of U.S. adults have bank accounts, but they use expensive alternative services like money orders, payday loans, and check cashing services. We're doing this for your good. Trust me. When I hear that, I know it just the opposite is the truth. The CBDC also provides a country's central bank with the means to implement monetary policies to provide stability, control growth, and influence inflation. Control. That's what it's all about. Control. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, how prevalent is this? Well, India is launching the digital rupee this year, 2023. Jamaica has already started their digital currency. Sweden has uh, began their implementation of it. The United States is well on its way. Uh, President Biden, in March of 2022, directed the federal agencies to evaluate the infrastructure, oh, interesting word, that would be needed to issue a U.S. central bank digital currency. The Bank of England is already underway. The Bank of Canada is already underway. This is reality. We have left the world of possibility and now are in the realm of probability. The next one is one that you again may have heard of. It, of course, originated out of the stable, well-adjusted, well-governed country of China. It's called a social credit score. This is 
you individually being evaluated to see if you're trustworthy, to see if you're, you know, uh, worthy of attention, a loan, a job, etc. Like a FICO score, it will show and demonstrate to future employers, to banks, to purchasing certain items such as a house, how worthy you are of that. Now, what is that worthiness based upon? Social compliance to the government. That's how you will be evaluated. How compliant you are to the government. Pretty scary, huh? Our founding fathers would not have been compliant to the government. Let me read a couple quotes for you, if I may, quickly. The social credit system is an extension to the existing financial credit rating system in China. Now, you may think, well, wait a minute, China, we really don't adopt any of their principles or policies here in the United States. Oh, no? Where do you think Dr. Fauci got the lockdown policy from for the, for the COVID pandemic? He got it from China. Yeah, we adopt a lot from China. The origin of the system can be traced back in China all the way to the 1980s when the Chinese government attempted to develop a personal banking and financial credit rating system. Economics, once again. Especially for rural individuals and small businesses that lacked documented records. The Chinese government aims to enhance trust in the society with the system and regulate business regarding issues such as food, safety, intellectual property theft, and financial fraud. We're doing it for your good. We're doing it for your good. The writer went on to state, supporters claim that the system helps to regulate social behavior improves the perceived trustworthiness of citizens, which includes paying taxes and bills on time, and promotes, here it is, the traditional Chinese moral values. Wow. There is talk about the social credit uh, score all over the world today, especially in Europe. This is another means of control. It's another means of keeping you in line and compliant to whatever the government says. And notice it's directly linked to you buying and selling. And if you're not a good citizen, according to the Chinese, what an oxymoron, Chinese moral values. It's amazing how much China is persecuting people today. And yet we overlook it. And yet, this is another way through a social credit score that we will be brought into compliance that directly, directly impacts our understanding of Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. Now lastly, I want to bring it home because the United States of America is now on the cutting edge of another leading development that occurred just recently in Indonesia at the G20. Of course, now the government officials from all over the world are getting together to help and to 
encourage and to prepare for the next pandemic. And one of the things that was unanimously agreed upon in the G20 in Indonesia was vaccine passports, electrical vaccine passports, your phone. And you can scan your phone to see if you've been vaccinated all around the world. And individuals see this, of course, as the first step to an individualized digital ID, being identified by a digital means. It won't come to a surprise, as the, one, as the reporter wrote, to anyone that we are discussing the possibility of a universal digital ID. How will it begin? Well, again, it'll begin for our good with vaccine passports. In a 52-paragraph mutually agreed-upon declaration following the G20 summit in Bali, Indonesia, the leaders of the 20 Nations Summit have agreed to, to a process for digital vaccine IDs to facilitate international travel. The alarming aspect is found on the 23rd paragraph of the declaration, and I'll read it to you. The 23rd paragraph states this, we support continued international dialogue and collaboration on the establishment of a trusted global digital health network as part of efforts to strengthening and preventing and response to future pandemics that should capitalize and build on the success of the existing standards and digital COVID-19 certificates. Really? Success? Is that how you would evaluate it? We acknowledge the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods under the framework of the IHR 2005 to facilitate seamless international travel, uh, interoperability and recognition, digital solution and non-digital solutions, including proof of vaccinations. And it was unanimously voted on by the following nations, Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Germany, India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, the Republic of Korea, Mexico, Russia, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, Turkey, the United Kingdom, the European Union, and President Joe Biden voted yes, the United States of America. The infrastructure to the probability of Revelation 13 is already here. Something that John could not even have imagined in his day, we are seeing in real time today. Watch for these things over the course of 2023. Be aware. Make your voice heard that you oppose these things that would centralize our currency to the point that we no longer have any type of personal autonomy when it comes to spending our own money that we're going to be evaluated by an ESG score or a social credit score. Folks, things are changing. Now, concerning the economy of 2023, I've been asked, what do we foresee happening? Well, I'm going to tell you what the experts say. It's very complicated, so let me say it very clearly. They have no idea. 
The experts have no idea what's going to happen next, and here's why. All of the history models that we look at, from the Great Depression to various recessions to uh, inflation, etc., none of them match perfectly what we are experiencing today. High interest rates, supply chain, globalization, the issue in Ukraine uh, with Russia, we, the $31 trillion worth of debt, we have never been in this position before. We see India, China, and Russia running away from the dollar bill as the reserve currency. Sanctions that we placed upon Russia for their invasion of Ukraine backfired and the, and the Russian economy is actually growing. And their, um, not, what is it, uh, the ruble is stronger today than it was before the war. Guys, we have to understand that what's happening, Russia, India, and China, that's 20% of the world's economy in those three nations. And they want to get off the SWIFT system. They want to get off of the dollar as the reserve currency and are making strides to do so. We're countering that. Believe it or not, the Biden administration is countering that by reminding China of their dependency on us as a manufacturing city. Now, many of you may have seen the large warehouses that are going up all over the Chicagoland warehouse. I have one in my backyard now. I call it the Death Star. And if I was a Jedi, I would try to destroy it. It is a monstrosity, 367,000 square feet. These are being built in 48 different places around the Chicagoland area at a total of 17.2 million square feet being offered. Why? For the hopes of the return of manufacturing back to the United States of America. Because we realized during the pandemic we were too dependent on globalization. We don't know what's going to happen in 2023, but one thing I can tell you for sure, God does. And everything is perfectly falling into place to allow His perfect plan to be revealed. And it's going to be fascinating to watch. And the one thing that I can guarantee all of you is that God takes care of His kids. So I'm not going to put my faith in economies and governments. I'm going to place my faith solely at the feet of my God and Father and my Lord Jesus Christ. The infrastructure is built for the Antichrist to take advantage of in Revelation 13, 16 through 17. I want to read this again before concluding with two other verses. He causes all, both small and great, notice John's language here, rich and poor, free and slave, this means the whole world. Every demographic is included in this. To receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now here's the clincher. What happens to those people who take that mark? Well, to put it bluntly, it seals their fate. In Revelation 14, 9 through 11, very next chapter, John tells us very clearly. In, in verse 9, he, he writes, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, 
and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself will also, shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torments ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name, meaning salvation is no longer possible. Scary, right? Now we know why Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. You're going to love one and hate the other. We understand why Paul said that the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. But even so, I want to leave you with this. Revelation twenty-two twenty. So he who testifies of these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. And then John writes, Amen. Even so, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. John says, So be it. If this is what needs to occur to bring the new heavens and the new earth and Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom here on this earth, and John says, so be it. Let it happen. We study biblical prophecy not to uh, further conspiracy theories, but for two reasons. Number one, it is to take our heart before the Lord, as John encouraged us to in his first epistle, to take our hearts before the Lord and say, Lord, if there's anything in us, if, there's, if we're in sin in any way, we repent of it so we get right with God. But number two, the second reason we do this and look at Bible prophecy is to reinstate a sense of urgency to get the gospel out into the world. Because Jesus is coming back. All the world is being set, the stage is being set for the final act, and we are all here today watching that stage being prepared before us. So I say, as John says, even so, come, Lord Jesus.